Welcome to Everything Co-op, bringing you information on how cooperatives can help improve your quality of life. This show is being sponsored by the National Co-op Bank, NCB. The NCB is dedicated to strengthening communities nationwide for the delivery of banking and financial services for the nation's cooperatives, their members, and other socially responsible organizations. For more information on the power of community ownership, visit ncb.coop. That's ncb.coop. Now stay tuned for your host, Vernon Oaks. Good morning, everybody. This is Vernon Oaks. Welcome to Everything Cooperative. This beautiful Thursday morning, it's beautiful in Washington, D.C. The sun's up. I'm up. The world's great. And I have three lovely ladies on uh, with me today. And we're going to talk about, uh, well, first, good morning, ladies. Good morning. Good morning, Vernon. Good morning, Vernon. Okay. So we're going to talk about the 2022 Co-op Innovation Award. And, but first I want to ask Allison, Allison, how did you get involved in this cooperative space? That's a great question, Vernon. I started working about almost 20 years ago at the Urban Homesteading Assistance Board in New York City. I was primarily interested in community development and affordable housing, but they are an organization that is a co-op organization and uh, uses a limited equity housing co-op model to, you know, preserve affordable housing in New York City. So I really saw the advantages and benefits of the co-op model firsthand. I saw how uh, residents were able to stay in their units and in their buildings in New York City, which was rapidly gentrifying and changing. I saw folks that were able to pay, you know, affordable, stable operating costs so they could, you know, save money and build assets so they could save, send their kids to college or, you know, take care of a sick relative. And uh, you could also pass down your units. It was also a form of intergenerational wealth. And lastly, I also saw how co-ops can really grow and expand through government support since New York City has given a lot of support and funding to limited equity housing co-ops in New York City as a way to preserve affordable housing. The organization I worked with served over a thousand buildings with over 30,000 residents living in them. So it was really a testament to both the model and the way the model could grow. Phenomenal. So you got bit by the cooperative yeah. spirit. Okay. Oh, Anne, what about you? How did you get involved in co-ops? Well, for, for me, Vernon, um, my introduction to co-ops was through National Cooperative Bank. So that was about, you know, 25 years ago or so. And uh, I was, yeah, I'd never had learned about or heard about co-ops in business school. You know, I was working for a, a large regional uh, commercial bank. And there, you know, we weren't lending to co-ops. They were all large corporations or um, sole proprietorships. And so uh, coming to NTB, it was just like, wow, the fact that you could actually have a group come together and own something collectively as far as a business or home ownership. I just thought the power of that just really, you know, enlightened me. And I have had the bug uh, ever since. So, so you got a job and that's how you learned about it. 
You didn't learn about it in school. That's right. No, no, did not learn about it in school. So, you know, 25 years ago or so, they, they were not talking about co-ops. And so, Allison, that's the same. You got a job, and that's what why you end up learning about co-ops? Yep, I got a job. Okay. Murray Alex, is it something different, or how did you learn about co-ops? Not really. <laughs> I actually was recruited by National Cooperative Bank, uh, senior year at Boston College. So I actually got my job with NCB through the BC Career Center. I don't know how many people uh, can say that. And 23 years later, I am still at NCB. And like Ann said, like I didn't know anything about co-ops when I came to interview for the bank. You know, you do a little research to get prepared for all the interviews, but they were recruiting for what was called a professional development program. It was kind of a credit training program for seniors in college. And once I got to the bank, I was just fortunate to learn all about the different sectors of co-ops, how just the bank interacted, how it, you know, start from a loan to closing to servicing to seeing the impact that um, our loans had in these communities, not just in, you know, what the bank did for a loan, but the grants, the contributions, the mission of the bank, giving back with service hours, community involvement. Like NCB just really lives the co-op principles and the values of cooperation. So it just, this is why I've stayed at the bank for so long. And so that's how I think we all kind of got bit by the, the co-op values and the co-op mission. And to see it like actually take place every day um, where you work is just is really, you know, nice to have as a as a job. So, so that's I, already, how I, I already know the answer to this question. I can see it when you guys <laughs> light up when you talk about your careers and your uh, introduction to co-ops. So do you like what you do, Allison? Definitely. I think that the, you know, the fact that all of us started this work relatively early in our career and we haven't left it. <laughs> and, you know, gosh, between the three of us, what is it, 70 year, <laughs> years in this, in this ecosystem? And it's, you know, I like what I do. I like the people that I work with. I think people are incredibly generous in this space and that principle of P6, you know, cooperation among co-ops is, is really lived in a way where you feel supported. And um, it's just a really fun, satisfying career path. I wish more people knew about it. Well, that's why we have this program and that's why NCB has sponsored it for almost nine years now. More people to know about it. And, 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 what about you? Do you like your work? Of course. You know, as Allison said, wouldn't be staying with it if, if I, I didn't really love working with co-ops. And I think it's really, you know, the best of both worlds as far as, you know, for me being able to use, you know, kind of the my original background in finance, but really apply it toward, you know, doing something that's, fulfilling and just gratifying as far as co-ops and supporting uh, many times low moderate income communities and it's always changing so there's always a new you know co-ops come up and they're they're innovative and they're solving problems so it's always interesting that there's always something on the horizon something's on the horizon what about for you mary alex is there something on the horizon that causes you to stay here or what is it that you like about your job? I mean, I just, um, I love the stories. So I'm fortunate in the role that I am at NCB with the marketing and communication, I get to work with all the different lines of businesses. So whether it's housing, healthcare, renewable energy, food co-op, worker co-op, I get to see the impact that the co-op model has across all sectors. 
and it really it's 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 and one of our core values at the bank it's inspiring right you see you know people coming together to help solve problems to create wealth to create ownership to create access to healthy food for people and it's just like you know we see on in, in the news and you know some of these netflix shows are just about corruption and people wanting that greed and just you know wealth accumulation but you look at the co-op model and the values of you know self-help self-responsibility you know your business is in a very ethical honest manner because you're really just about the people that's what's so you know gratifying to work at a, an institution like ncb and that that supports the co-op model so so in my business school my mba i got that that capitalistic model businesses are they're interested in three things it starts with a p and that's Profit first, profit second, and profit third. Okay, and so that's what caused this greed and everything. And the capitalistic model has not been supportive to low and moderate income communities. As a matter of fact, I think it's what's helped keep them down. But in the co-op, it's still three P's, but it's people first, and that's what I hear all of you saying. And then it's the planet. What are we doing that's good for the planet, or what do we make sure we don't do that's bad for the planet? And then third is profit. Profit is important. But it comes in that order, and I, that's, I, I like that. So tell me, what is this Co-op Innovation Award? Who? Let Mary Alex, let's you go first. Well, actually, um, I mean, I can turn it over to Allison, but the Co-op Innovation Award, it's an award that was started by Capital Impact Partners, and NCB started working together a few years ago. But it is an award that we would like to give to kind of innovators in the co-op space to help them spur their innovations, to spur their, whether they're an incubator, whether they're a startup co-op, whether they're established and they're looking to expand to provide funds, you know, these are not loans. These are funds to help spur additional grants and to get them off the ground and to start, you know, their co-op. Um, there's been many successes since the Innovation Award was uh, first started, and I can turn it over to Allison to talk about the history of the award, and then we can talk about some of the impact that some of the recipients have um, accomplished. I would like for you to talk about the impact of the awards, but before you do that, Allison, uh, Capital Impact Partners started this, so would you tell folks what is Capital Impact Partners? Sure. So Capital Impact Partners is a Community Development Financial Institution, or CDFI. And for those of you not familiar with CDFIs, they are financial institutions that are dedicated to delivering responsible, affordable lending to historically disinvested communities. And uh, Capital Impact has uh, been doing this since 1982, and we have dispersed over $2.5 billion in the communities we serve. We actually started as a, a part, a segment of the National Cooperative Bank, uh, specifically serving historically disinvested communities. And then we split off to become a CDFI and serve some of these other sectors like affordable housing and aging, education, healthcare, food access. But we like to say that co-ops are part of our DNA and part of our co-op roots. And so it just, you know, made sense for us to partner with NCB on, on this award in the past couple of years. And in terms of sectors that we work in, uh, it's really food, housing, and, and worker co-ops that Capital Impact tends to focus on. Worker co-ops were mainly focused on conversions, so existing businesses where the owner is selling their business to the employee. In housing, we're mainly focused on affordable housing, uh, limited equity housing co-ops, whether that's a multifamily 
building in New York City or uh, the Rock USA model, which is manufactured housing where the land is owned by the residents. And in food co-ops, we're primarily interested in food co-ops that are providing food access to communities that are underserved by grocery. And I'll just add that we are a national organization, but we have offices in Michigan, California, Texas, New York, and D.C. And our work has really expanded in D.C. in the past five years, which has been very exciting for me since I was born and raised in D.C. and, you know, just have been really enjoying working more locally here. Okay. So quickly, about a minute before we take our next break, Allison or um, Ann, why did NCB join Capital Impact Partners? Ann. Yep. Okay. Essentially, really, uh, Capital Impact Partners had started the uh, Innovation Award. They had it established, and, and Allison actually approached the bank and said, you know, what about teaming up on this? And it really seemed to be a great opportunity. I mean, certainly it, it resonates with our with our mission, but also really connected with our strategy uh, and seemed to be a way to really leverage the strengths of, of both uh, organizations. Thank so you. Thank you. We are able to. We have to okay. take our okay. we have to take our break. So we'll be right back, and I want to find out about NCB, where it is, and how we got started. We'll be right back. Please don't touch that dial. Your news talk station. Welcome back, everybody. This is Vernon Oaks, and the program is Everything Cooperative. And I have three wonderful ladies that are talking about the 2022 Co-op Innovation Award. And when we took break, uh, Ann was talking about why NCB joined Capital Impact Partners in uh, providing this award. And now I'd like Mary Alex to just give us a background of NCB. The National Cooperative Bank was actually formed by an act of Congress in 1978 to provide uh, capital for really housing cooperatives and commercial cooperatives um, nationwide. So a lot of the first customers of the bank were the food co-ops and a lot of the housing co-ops in New York City. We privatized in 1981 and we are a cooperatively owned financial institution. So Right now, we have about 3,700 cooperative shareholders that are um, members of the bank, um, and they, you know, remit. We remit patronage dividends um, to our customer shareholders annually. And the bank, you know, while we have a strong focus on cooperatives, um, we also basically work with organizations that follow the cooperative principles. So they may not be strict cooperative organizations, but they. They have the cooperative principles mission. You know, our main sectors again are housing food, so independent grocery retailers or food co-ops nationwide, purchasing co-ops, so we bank a lot of the ACE hardware retailers nationwide. We have an office in Anchorage, Alaska. We work with the Alaska and Native Corporations, healthcare, and actually manages a lot of our healthcare line of business, so fairly qualified community health clinics. We work with the PACE program. We do a lot in renewable energy. So again, they may not be cooperatives, but you know they have concern for the community, they're democratically controlled, and they're there to help, you know, better the, the local community. So, you know, we're nationwide. I think we've done a loan in every state in the United States and serving um, a co-op sector. And we also actually, one other business, we work a lot with credit unions. You know, credit unions are cooperatives. A lot of people don't know that, but they're, you know, they're owned by their, the members. 
and we actually work with a lot of the credit unions to help service their needs kind of as, as a financial back office financial operation for the credit unions. So, you know, why we got involved in this award too is while we loan a lot of money and, and do well, um, you know, with the lending, our also commitment is to support co-ops and co-op development. So how we can make contributions and grants to spur new co-op development is a, is a strong mission of the bank. So. Fantastic. And you just outlined the four sectors of cooperation. And the first one is worker owner. It depends on who owns and controls the business or whether what type, what sector it is. And when the employee owns the business, it's called a worker cooperative. And you've mentioned those that you have to fund worker co-ops. There's some stat that I heard that like 60% of the people in worker co-ops and the recent worker co-ops are people of color, which is extremely interesting. And then you work with consumer co-ops as the second type. That's where the people that own it are people that buys the products or services. You talk housing, uh, credit unions are a couple of those that you talked about. Um, and then you go into marketing producer co-ops, and that's people join together or companies join together, farmers join together to buy things so that they can get a lower price and a lot of times a better product. And marketing co-ops, they are the ones that join together to market market their goods. And you have Cabot Creamery, Ocean Spray. You have different marketing co-ops and producer co-ops. And recently I had on the show a Zuni uh, tribe out in Zuni, New Mexico, and they call themselves a producer co-op. So these artists come together and they have a storefront and they produce art together and they produce it and then they market it together. So there's a, just a wider range, like you said, nationwide, worldwide, in fact. And he's yeah, and you can, uh, we do the Co-op 100 every year, Vernon, as you know, that the NCD annual Co-op 100. It's, uh, it's a, a report that lists the top 100 co-ops in the United States. It um, comes out every October during Co-op month. So a lot of people just don't realize that big name brands in the grocery store or in your local Main Street are cooperatives, um, but they're you know very successful businesses. Like you said before, you have to be a successful business to then do well in the community, right? So you have to have those triple bottom line of you have to do well to do good um, in the community. So, you know, a lot of these really successful businesses are the co-op model. Do well to do good, that's Chuck Snyder's motto. And Chuck is a great friend of the show, a great friend of all of you I know from our conversations. And we lost him last November and that's still sad because he's just a great humanitarian. Do well to do good in all of these different sectors. So, Allison, let's go back to the Innovation Award. Uh, what's the purpose? So, the purpose of the Innovation Award is to encourage cooperative growth and development in communities of color and or historically disinvested communities. These can be both urban and rural communities. And it's also to amplify the uh, innovative models that are happening around the country that can be replicated locally, regionally, or nationally. We also want to support early stage projects and provide catalytic capital that will help attract other funders. We kind of pride ourselves on a lot of times being some of the first investment in a project, and then they will subsequently get you know, other investments, whether it's, you know, financing or in investment or philanthropy. And uh, we do want to support projects that are led or in informed by community and culturally relevant to whatever neighborhood or community they live in. Uh, we fund both co-ops themselves or 
501c3 nonprofits that help to support or incubate co-ops. Okay. Why did you do this? It's a good question. Uh, well, we really started to do it because our organization was growing and our average deal size was growing. And uh, so a lot of the the co-ops that were we were able to finance tended to be on the larger side. But we also knew that these new co-ops that were forming, especially in as the model grew in the communities where we worked in cities like Detroit, LA, Oakland, uh, DC, that a lot of them were earlier stage and they were in in kind of ecosystems that were also earlier stage and they needed support because um, there are differences in organizing in uh, you know black and brown communities or immigrant communities and and folks were really creating new models and new tools so we wanted to make sure that we supported that and it's kind of part of our ecosystem commitment um, and so, you know, we think of having different tools in our toolbox, you know, grants, financing, and also we also have an investment vehicle for co-ops. So just having different ways to support co-ops that are in different stages. So who supported this uh, fund originally? Who were the first funders? So it was Capital Impact Partners for a while, and it was relatively small. And then uh, when the National Cooperative Bank came in, we were able, they matched our investment and they were able, so we were able to give out double the funds and double the, the grants. And then since then we have, um, we are trying to think of other ways to increase the pot of money. So it so, has, we have been able to, to grow the program and increase the number of dollars and grants out the door. So when did you start the program? 2015. And we had, we started in 2015 and it was, $50,000. And now this 50, year... 50000 for the award or 50000 total that you gave? 50000 total. Right. Uh, and then this year we have 150000 and we are looking to grow. We'll talk a little bit more later about trying to get some more sponsors for the award and trying to grow it. But So it has grown... Threefold. Uh, threefold in three, seven Three years. times since it started. Fantastic. Okay. So, Anne, why did NCB think that this was important and join it. As I you know, mentioning earlier, it, you know, is really important. You know, certainly, you know, part of the mission and a way for NCB to um, support co-op development. You know, particularly as a way as a as a regulated bank. So, for us to already join an established program that Capital Impact had, you know, we could, you know match the the funding so double the double the the awards and also is a an opportunity to you know to contribute through our expertise in co-ops and also raise the profile within the co-op community which we'll talk a little bit about how that's resulted in in some some sponsorships okay so can you just tell me examples of just right now i just want you to tell me some examples of who have won this award. Who wants to do that? I'll start and hand it over to Anne. No, no just give me give me some examples right oh, now because we only have right. about a minute before we go to. Okay, uh, so in the early stages, uh, Democracy at Work Institute, Project Equity. We have had co-ops like Shy Fresh and the Independent Drivers Guild. We have had kind of worker centers that 
work specifically with immigrants and undocumented workers, organizations like Co-op Cincy that are creating kind of racial justice curriculum for co-op education, folks like the Custom Collaborative in New York City that are thinking about, uh, you know, worker co-ops related to to fashion and women of color. So it's it's very diverse in the uh, types of co-ops and the types of projects we've funded. And that's intentional. We want to be flexible. Fantastic. Flexible. And when we get back, we're going to take our second break. I want to go into more detail of some of these uh, people that won the award. We'll be right back. Your news talk station. Welcome back, everybody. This is Vernon Oaks, and the program is Everything Cooperative. We have three wonderful ladies talking to to us today about the Cooperative Innovation Award, and that's being funded by the Capital Impact partners and NCB and NCB has been our supporter for eight and a half years now. NCB's mission is to support and be an advocate for America's cooperatives and their members, especially in low income communities by providing innovative financial and related services. And that's what they're also doing with this award, really living and implementing their mission. And this is what these ladies are talking to us about today. And so right before we took, the break. Allison had given us some examples of the folks that have won the award, and they have been in low-income communities. It uh, it sounds like, and uh, throughout the U.S. So let's go further into these uh, awardees and talk more about who they are. So people out there listening may decide they want to apply. By the way, just right real quick, how would they apply, Allison? They would apply on our website, which is capitalimpact.org, O-R-G, and there is a Co-op Innovation Award page under programs, but also if you just Google Cooperative Innovation Awards, you will, you will find it. And it is on a platform called Submittable, which is very easy to use. You do have to create a password, but it is free of charge. Okay. CapitalImpact.org. Yes. So um, who would like to go first to give me an example of one of the people that have gotten the award? I can go first and then turn it over to Anne. Okay. Uh, I'll just first highlight one of the earlier examples of the award, and then later I can do one of another more current one. Like I said, we fund both co-ops themselves and also co-op support organizations. And one of our first uh, grantees in 2016 was the Democracy at Work Institute or DAWI. And DAWI is the, they call themselves the think and do organization for worker co-ops. They are this sister organization to the US Federation of Worker Cooperatives, which is a member organization. And uh, they they have grown a lot since 2016, probably outgrown this Co-op Innovation Award. But at the time, they were really starting to build some of the structures and systems around worker cooperatives and, and what were some of the needs as we saw this opportunity for uh, co-op conversions, which, again, is businesses where existing businesses where the owner wants to sell the business to the workers to run it as a cooperative. And 
what we funded them for was setting up something that is now called the Workers to Owners Collaborative. And this is a national collaborative of organizations working to transition small businesses to employee ownership. And it's really a place for folks in the ecosystem to share tools and best practices, innovation, they aggregate data, and there's kind of a shared message in, in the media and, and public pre um, presentations. And DAWI is the backbone organization for this collaborative with a goal of really helping to expand the volume and the impact and accessibility of these worker co-op conversions across the country. We have as Capital Impact as an organization, we've actually been a member of the Workers to Owners Collaborative since its launch and just want to comment on what a huge value add it has been in the space because it's a place for folks that are working in this ecosystem, whether it's technical assistance or lenders to help understand the structures, help troubleshoot, peer networking. Um, one thing we've really benefited from is they collect data from all the partners across the country. So you can see what are the current trends, what geographies, what different, um, you know, within worker co-ops, what sectors, whether it's food or healthcare or other types of businesses are growing. Uh, you know, what are the demographics of these businesses? What are some of the challenges? And so uh, as a lender that financed its first worker co-op conversion a few years ago, we really leaned heavily on this to help us understand the market. And it is, is kind of the epitome of the P6 principle. And so this is just one of the ways we, we helped fund a support organization that was really helping build networks and structures that would live on for, for years. So P6 is cooperation among co-ops. That's the principle. But I was also hearing um, P5, that there's a lot of education, training, and information mm -hmm. of the workers. To how you do definitely this. yeah and it's just there's there's also a um it's a safe space to to ask questions and to learn and and some of the questions are very you know nitty-gritty so i'm trying to set up this legal entity and does anybody know any you know a good lawyer or a good accountant and some of it is more you know we're working with this group of workers and and these are some of the issues and trying to kind of transition that into that ownership mentality. So it's, you know, you really see the the trust build throughout the years. And, you know, for us, when we did our, our first worker co-op conversion, financed our first worker conversion, a co-op conversion, we worked with a cooperative fund in New England as a partner to finance that deal, as well as other technical assistance providers like a cooperative Development Institute. And so there's really on a lot of these projects, there are this, this group that are working to, to move it forward. And so this is really a place to help solidify those relationships and build that trust. Phenomenal, phenomenal. So there's a whole ecosystem, a whole system around mm -hmm. you, where there's training, legal, financial, they're all around to try to help these organizations. Yeah. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. Okay, Anne, would you give us another example? Sure, and uh, the example that, that I'd like to highlight touches on the point that Allison made earlier, how the innovation award can be a catalyst for further investment, and that's with the Drivers 
co-op and uh, the drivers co-op received an uh, innovation award um, before NCB was involved. So uh, one of the, the uh, earlier years and they have, uh, as a result, you know, they have been focused on, you know, raising their, their funds. They're a worker co-op, a, uh, a driver's co-op. So they're actually in uh, New York city. They um, have about in terms of their, their drivers, about 3,800 drivers and 90% of them are immigrants. And the focus here as a worker co-op is to really benefit the, the workers, uh, the drivers. So the idea is that the drivers here get a, a better pay than if they were using, you know, another sort of platform. And um, what's happened, you know, since they received the innovation award, they've been able to raise other funds and that's included actually NTB providing a grant to them uh, which we did last year, uh, separately outside of the Co-op Innovation Award. So they've actually been um, thriving. They've been highlighted in the, in the New York Times and getting other other investments. How many drivers? 3,800. 3,800 drivers, and that may equate to 3,800 families that's supporting and they're driving taxis in New York. That's always scary to me. I don't like driving New York, but they're driving taxis in low-income communities. Are they low-income in terms of the drivers? Uh, they're not. Oh, as far as the the owners, the drivers, mm-hmm. yes, they would be. Uh, they're primarily primarily low-income. Okay, but they get a chance to have a job that they control. They have a say in how this works as a worker cooperative, member owners, phenomenal. Give Can me I just one. add, Vernon, that yes. um, when we originally, we gave them the award in 2019, and it was just an idea then. They were a, a group of workers that was part of a union for taxi drivers, and the drivers co-op hadn't been launched yet. They hadn't purchased the app. They hadn't launched the the co-op yet. And so this was really an idea that they had. I mean, they had a really good idea. They had an organized group of workers. They had a business plan. They had support structures. So it wasn't, you know, just somebody thinking of something and us giving them (laughs) money. Uh, It was very well thought out, but uh, it was a risk on our part because it hadn't been actualized yet. And, um, you know, much like the Workers to Owners Collaborative didn't exist yet when we funded them. And so we were the very first money in the door that allowed them, you know, now down the line, they've they've raised hundreds of thousands of dollars and they're looking to grow and hire people and, you know, they've launched their uh, ride sharing app. So it's all very exciting, but it was, you know, it was that original seed money that helped actualize the idea. So original seed money normally comes from family and friends or venture mm. capitalists. Mm-hmm. So if these are low-income communities, it's not likely because in the black community, blacks' net worth is like uh, 10% of white families' community. So there's just not a lot of net worth. And if you have immigrants that come in, they may have zero amount of net worth. That's what you own over what you owe. Do you own more than what you owe or vice versa? And so more often than not, it's not very much. So were, did you come in as family and friends or as venture capitalists? And did you get a part of the business? Did you get a part of the share of the business? No, it was a grant. 
And I think that that is hits the nail on the head, Vernon, of exactly how I think of this grant is that, you know, in a lot of the communities that we serve, specifically black and brown and immigrant communities, intergenerational wealth has been blocked through various policies. Um, and, you know, this sort of seed money, early stage money, friends and family money is not available um, because some folks have been locked out of the economy in different ways. And so it's really a way to say, you know, we believe in this idea, we believe in this project, and we want to walk along with you as, you know, help you succeed. And there's no, you know, there's no strings attached. There's no, we don't get a piece of it. <laughs> I mean, they have to submit a grant report at the end of the year. But besides that, it's, it, it is uh, very much. So you, you know, don't get the venture capitalists gets a piece of they get so much share of stock and mm-hmm. and they even get more as it goes down and so they extract the cash out of the business they extract the money out you're mm-hmm. not doing that you're giving the no. money to say please grow and it, you did it in an idea stand that's really in the beginning you got an idea mm-hmm. what about helping out here that is absolutely wonderful now uh, we're going to go into a third one we only have a minute or so to talk about it who's going to do the next one um, I can speak to Shy Fresh. Should I should I give a teaser or teaser. The whole thing in a minute? Give a teaser because okay. I love Shy Fresh. I was hoping that was yeah. the one you were going to do. We've yeah. had them on the show, so yes, please talk about them. Yeah, so I'll just give a a, a preview um, that they were a commercial kitchen that is uh, owned and determined by justice involved uh, women in Chicago, primarily Black women. Uh, it launched during the pandemic, and it is an amazing story. So I will leave the rest. Tell me about the, these black women. What, give me a little bit about who they are. Yeah, so they were, um, at the time they got the grant, they were working in many different industries and were looking for a sustainable job and had found a lot of barriers as folks that had been formerly incarcerated and not a lot of programs for formerly incarcerated, specifically women. Um, there was a, quite a few programs for men out there, but not for women. And so they were really brainstorming on, you know, how can I get back into the mainstream economy, but also have some sort of ownership and protection of my job. Allison, you got some black women, migrant women that been in jail and now they are owning their own business. That's what you're telling me. That's what you're telling me. About. Yep. Yeah. And you help. Yes. We'll be right yeah. back. <laughs> Please don't touch that dial. And we'll talk more about these grants. Your news talk station. Welcome back. And as I expected, this goes by very quickly when we're talking about things that we love to talk about. We only have one more segment. We're talking now about the different organizations that have won the award. And right before we took break, we started talking about Shy Fresh out of Chicago. So, Allison, would you please tell that story? Sure. So, as I said before the break, this was a group of women in Chicago that had been formerly incarcerated, uh, primarily black women, and they were hitting a lot of walls to try to get employment. Um, there wasn't specifically a lot of, of programming available for for women that had been formerly incarcerated, and they were meeting with a group with um, the guidance of Camille Kerr, who is a co-op consultant that I know you've had on the show in the past, and they were involved from the very start in really thinking about 
what sector they wanted to focus on, what type of work would would give them, you know, meaning and, and focus and how they could contribute to the community, which was also a big part of it, and decided that the food sector was a place where they wanted to work. And so they launched a commercial kitchen. And I will say when we gave them the grant, much like the Drivers Cooperative, it was actually not launched yet. It was an idea with a really good business plan, a really good mission, and really good support structure. And they were actually not planning to launch the co-op till the end of 2020, but then the pandemic hit in March and all the women lost their jobs because of the pandemic. So they decided to launch early. We called them and told them they got $50,000 right after the pandemic hit. And uh, I got put on speakerphone and everybody was yelling and clapping <laughs> and it allowed them to, to launch. And they have been a, an amazing success. They um, are a commercial kitchen. They serve daily meals that is freshly cooked and rooted in the culture and traditions of their community. Some of the ways they're innovative are they're really thinking about the food value chain not only, you know, making the food, but also where are you getting your food, supporting local farms, urban farms, black-owned farms, thinking about healthy food in relation to food access. So it's not only about getting food into communities that are underserved by grocery, but what kind of food? What does it taste like? Where is it from? Uh, really thinking about the whole value chain. And they have also been really, you know, thinking about like what are the specific barriers to employment for women that are incarcerated and how they can help other groups that might want to form co-ops that are like them. They've been talking to a lot of other cities and municipalities that are looking to replicate programs like that. And um, what's been really exciting is they have grown beyond all expectation in the past few years since they've launched to the point where they actually um, not only have they secured some major food contracts in Chicago, but they were able to get a loan to buy a building on the south side of Chicago. Wow. Where, yes, where now they are, um, the lending partners included Chicago Community of Trust and Shared Capital Cooperative, who is a good, good friend of both National Cooperative Bank and Capital Impact Partners. And so they bought their building. It is a place where they can expand and grow and are also looking to, in the future, open a cafe. They can add more quality jobs, more worker owners. So, you know, the fact that we all know food is a very hard industry with very low margins so that they launched in 2020 with $50,000 and have already bought a building yeah. in Chicago is 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 kind of beyond the wildest dreams of what we had hoped for the project. I know you must feel great about your part in that, that you could help these, these women that were in jail. And normally when folks come out of jail, men or women, folks won't, won't hire them. They have a record. More often than not, they can't vote. They're not considered citizens. That's the way our culture has done it. And so you're able to step in, provide a hand up. And then they just took it and run. I, I love this story. I love this story. Uh, do you have any sense of how many workers are there now? They started with five? Yeah, I think it's uh, six or seven. And they were looking to, uh, you know, now that they've secured the building, that will allow them to to grow and expand. Because before they didn't have, they had kind of reached their max in terms of space and number of meals per day that they could 
they can provide. So in the building, they'll now create their own kitchen yes. and all of that. And then they're hoping to expand to some sort of cafe or potentially restaurant. All right, we can all go up there then when they get yeah. the cafe open. In the summer, not in the winter. In the summer. <laughs> okay. Any other examples? Well, let's talk and about. Not unless NCB, but I would love to just talk about just briefly about the impact of the award over since 2015, if that's okay. Sure. Because this is something we're very proud of. Since 2015, there have been 17 grantees, and again, with National Cooperative Bank coming on, we've been able to increase our impact and 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 get grants to more folks. But since 2015, we have been able to disperse $515,000 in grants, and that has been used to secure more than $8.2 million in additional funding from foundations, investors, and government. So that's a number we're really proud of because these are, like I said, early stages where we're giving folks a relatively, it's a large amount of money, but it's, it's you know, compared to what they're raising in the future, it's, it's really a first investment, and then they're able to go out and, and use this, this money and validation to, to raise a lot more. And we really think of, of the folks that we fund as partners, and you know, we're not foundations. <laughs> this is not our jobs. This is not what they do all day. This is, you know, we think of these, we want to see these folks succeed. So we think, how can we highlight their work on whether it's a show like this or whether it's sitting with them at a panel at a conference or writing about it in a blog or introducing them to the foundations. We really think about ways that we can help them grow and spread their message. Phenomenal. So how would one, everything co-op has had this radio show down for like I said, eight and a half years. And we're looking, we started a, a LLC, everything co-op communications, LLC in a media company, just have it as an idea and there's four of us four people could we apply for this award well i i would say yes i will give you i could give you more information about the eligibility and then you can judge whether you could apply Vernon. so so people out there would know what is the eligibility and mm-hmm. how do they get started or how would we get started Yes. So the eligibility is uh, first and foremost, you have to be engaged in work to empower communities of color or historically disinvested communities. So that's kind of the first off. You have to be uh, rooted in in community. Um, You have to either be a co-op or a nonprofit 501c3, or you could have a fiscal sponsor that is a nonprofit 501c3. Um, and you can apply from anywhere in the United States. You can be a national organization, a regional regional organization, a local organization. All different co-op sectors can apply. We do tend to give priority to food, worker, and housing co-ops, but really anyone can apply. And you must apply for a specific project, not just your organization as a whole. It has to be something specific that you're going to do with the funding, which is twenty-five dollars to $50,000. And we really fund a wide range of, of kind of the type of funding we can give. It can be from, you know, for financial projections or staff costs or training development, technology, marketing. We, we very much leave it open and flexible because we want to meet the co-ops where they're at. And I will say that the deadline is May 3rd. And so please check out the application. You can look it over. You can save it. You don't have to submit it right away. 
If you have questions, you can um, contact us, and I'm happy to give my, my email with any questions. We also have FAQs on the website, contact information. Um, we've had a few webinars that I can also send folks if they're interested about the, the Innovation Award. So give us your webpage address again and your email. So it is www.capitalimpact.org, O-R-G. And my email is apowers, A-P-O-W-E-R-S, at capitalimpact.org. So, Anne and Mary Alex, is there any contact information through NCB about this award, too? We're actually doing most of it through, as far as the, the application process, through Capital Impact. So I would say, you know, go to uh, you know, Allison to the Capital Impact website and her email we are certainly highlighting the the winners on our um, on our website, and I think we've got a, a link there. Mary Alex, anything to add? Well, before you, Mary Alex, I would like for you to end it. We have about a minute and a half to go. How can we do more? How, what 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 else can we do to enhance this? Well, we're looking for other sponsors, right? So, as Allison said, it started off as just Capital Impact and fifty thousand dollars. When NCB joined, it was a hundred thousand. Last year, we um, obtained three additional sponsors with CUNA Mutual, Local Government, Federal Credit Union, and Cabot Creamery to make it $130,000. This year, I think we're up to $150,000. We have CUNA Mutual, Local Government, Federal Credit Union, and um, National Co-op Grocers sponsoring. But as you can hear, the, the awards are big because it makes an impact. Like giving $5,000, $10,000, that couldn't have launched Chai Fresh or the Drivers Co-op, right? It's, it's $50,000. It's $35,000. So if we can get more sponsors to make those dollars bigger and to give to more organizations, that will just be an amazing accomplishment for this. And we get a lot of applications that Can't we do. would love to give an award to, but we just didn't have enough money. And we would love to be able to get additional sponsors um, to amplify this um, innovation award. Thank you, guys. Thank you very, very much. This has been wonderful. If you got any sponsorship money, please get it over to Capital Impact. Go to capitalimpact.org. And we'll be back next Thursday. And in this week, please live quiet.